Think you need to compromise who you are to advance your career as a black or brown woman? Think again. Because there's a playbook for corporate America and those aren't the rules. But you won't find it in college or on the job. I know, because I learned the hard way. And now I'm here to show you how the game is played. Hi, I'm Linda Talaferro, the Vice President of Quality at a global technology company and founder of The Tea, The Extra Effort, where I help black and brown women like you change the trajectory of their career with one-on-one coaching, workshops, and this podcast, Being Brown at Work. If you want to know how black and brown women are navigating everything from microaggressions to being the only person of color in the room so they can blaze their trail through corporate America, listen now. Greetings, greetings everyone. And because my guest, who you guys probably met two weeks ago, if you didn't, shame on you. That means you have to go catch the replay. (laughs) And we've got some new people, I think, joining us on new channels. Welcome to everyone, Linda Talaferro from the T the Extra Effort. And this is Being Brown at Work Live, which I say every first and third Tuesday are my favorite times of the month, favorite times of the week. And I am not going to prolong it because, as I just said, if you didn't catch part one two weeks ago, you have to catch the replay because tonight is going to be more of those wonderful gems from my beautiful guest. And let me introduce to some of you and remind those of you who Ashley Wynn Grimes is. Ashley Wynn Grimes is a Baltimore, Maryland native, Black female entrepreneur, and a registered nurse for more than 12 years. She's the founder of Cannabis Nursing Solutions, LLC, and the author of Stigmatized. Okay. And I got my copy. You want to get your copy. Believe me. And the children's book. And I asked you this last time. Asa? Yes, it's Asa. There we go. I got it right this time. (laughs) And the author of children's book, Asa's Medicine. Ashley's work is dedicated to empowering patients and nursing professionals to make informed wellness choices with impactful educational medical programs that also serve to promote diverse representation and increase resiliency in those she serves. During her impressive career, Ashley has worked in various healthcare settings, including telemetry, nursing, quality improvement, and professional development. She's responsible for trailblazing non-traditional cannabis patient care programs in Maryland that offer standardized approaches to dispensing cannabis for nursing professionals and children in school settings. Ashley holds a bachelor's of science degree in nursing and a master's degree in nurse education from Towson University. And in 2021, she was chosen for Baltimore Business Journal Leaders in Healthcare. Ashley also has a certification in professional development and is a certified Lean Six Sigma Black Belt. Ashley, welcome back to Being Brown at Work Live. Thank you so much. Like I said, I think I said this the last time. It's always so much to hear. People say all that about me. I'm like, who's that lady? (laughs) Yes, it's you. It is you. It is you. It is such an honor to have you back, Ashley. I mean, the first session we had was so powerful where we talked about you did a, a retrospective look right over your career and some of the challenges that you had and uh, being burnt out. 
and understanding what stigmatism was. Can you just, let's just recap and give the audience a flavor of what they missed in part one. They're going to go back and watch the replay, but we just can, do you mind just kind of revisit some of the things you shared when you took that rear view mirror look in your career? Yeah. So I'm a nurse by trade background. I did all the things that nurses do. I was able to get my master's degree in nursing education and I eventually worked my way up to the corporate ladder. And in that environment, I was one of few black women. I was one of few nurses in in the space. And I dealt with a lot of microaggressions that um, led me to being able to recognize that I myself was going through or experiencing Mm -hmm. burnout. But then I was also victimized through a cyber death. And so through those experiences combined, it helped me to realize that I needed to spend a little bit more time taking care of myself, but I knew I didn't need a doctor. So I decided to just do research, research on what like wellness is. Um, Obviously therapy was involved, but eventually I discovered things like yoga and other holistic practices. And um, from there, I just took what I've learned and have just found a way to become the entrepreneur that I am today. And so- you know, eventually I was finding success through, um, you know, media outlets and speaking engagements and writing my book and things like that. But I decided to do a slight pivot and be able to teach other holistic practitioners how to do the same thing. And so that's where we are today. Yes, exactly. In our first session, because uh, I don't want to butcher it. I remember trying to repeat the word and it didn't go well. But in the first session, you shared with us um a part of ourselves that we're not really attuned to. Yeah. Okay, it's, go ahead. It's called okay. the endocannabinoid system. See, there we are. <laughs> <laughs> and so those of you that are watching live and I see several of you, now you see why I wasn't trying to remember or even try to to recreate or repronounce that word. Endo, endocannabinoid? Cannabinoid system, yes. Endocannabinoid system. Yep. So tell our audience a little bit about what that is. Yeah, that that is our is a neuroreceptor system, um, and it's basically the master regulator for all other systems in the body, and is responsible for helping our bodies achieve homeostasis. Mm. And so, endo means inside the body, and the cannabinoid is referring to the cannabinoids that we make naturally, but um, also can be replaced with cannabinoids found in the cannabis plant. And so examples are THC and CBD. Okay. Are, those are just two examples out of hundreds of different cannabinoids in the plant. And so those cannabinoids, when they're in the system, in our systems, they bind to that those receptors and um, essentially help support a lot of people's endocannabinoid system. Ah, okay. Um, a lot of the reason why I didn't bring it up the first time is, you know, a lot of our holistic practices that we yeah. use, like yoga and acupuncture, they all support the endocannabinoid system, too. So, um, you know, it's it's a, even though a lot of people in my space will identify themselves as cannabis nurses, really, mm-hmm. I see it as more of a holistic practitioner. Yes. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And so and, and I think it's so important. You and I talked about this uh, when we originally met to, to, to and talked about what we we're going to do on this live in the month of June. I think it's so important. My audience are mostly women in corporate America, black and brown women are who I serve. And, and for me, like I shared with you too often, 
too often we forget about the wellness side of us, right? We are so focused on that career, that corporate ladder, that next opportunity, that next promotion. And in the midst of trying to do all of that to get to those places, we forget about our bodies, our minds, our our emotional state, our physical state. Mm -hmm. And I even said, I had not done enough lives around wellness. You're only my second guest. And all the times that I've been doing this and talking about wellness. So for one, I'm going to do a better job at serving my audience holistically, giving them every aspect of how they can show up authentically healthy themselves, which is why, and, and even myself, learn so much from you and my previous guests on what I need to continue to do um, as I walk out, you know, my career journey. I often say who we are personally is who we are professionally. So Mm -hmm. we don't do the work on ourselves personally. Mm -hmm. It'll show up, unfortunately, in an opposite uh, way than we desire professionally. Yeah. So, you know, yoga, I've done acupuncture. I swear I thought I'd never do it. I've done it. Now I get it. (laughs) I get it. I believe yoga. I often thought I didn't have the body for it. Right. I remember the the first time I went to yoga, I was a little uncomfortable until I saw a couple other people walk in that were not a size two or zero um, that didn't have huge flexibility because my hips are tight and I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm clearly not a, I'm clearly a sister. Yeah. Uh, Clearly in every aspect of my hips and everything. (laughs) <laughs> but I love you. I love yoga. And the acupuncture really served me well. So I'm glad you you brought that up. Yeah. Um, but there are various ways in addition to, you know, uh, how you serve in, in your nursing practice. And I love the fact that you call it holistic nursing, because I think that is truly what it is. Yeah. So, so, so Ashley, if we, so we've talked a little bit about session one and, and your journey and how you had to work through the microaggressions, the challenges, the burnout that you experienced in your nursing career. And so today we want to talk about a couple of things. I do want to revisit stigmatized because we only touched on it a little bit in the first session, because I think it's so important for all of us as black and brown women to understand we've experienced this. You may think it only fits a certain category. Ashley's going to educate you right now on what stigmatism is. Mm-hmm. And as soon as she does that, I'm sure you're going to understand that you've dealt with it, which is why you want to buy this book. Yeah. And then, uh, so let's start there. Okay. What is stigmatism, Ashley? And why do we not think we've ever experienced it? Because it's our norm. If- Whoa. <laughs> like you. Yeah, just- <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. Okay. <laughs> Wait. Yes. Yeah. It is. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's how we function, it's how we operate. They're all the roles that define us. So if we thought that it was, if you thought you were being stigmatized, you would be upset about it and you would do something different, but you don't because it's normal. That's just how you treat it. That's just what we accept. You know? Oh my God! Wait, I'm gonna pre- see when my uh, my my wonderful guests drop these little gems and they just keep talking. I gotta stop from. So if you thought you were being stigmatized, you would do something about. It. If you thought it was negative, you would do something about it. But because it's normal, yes, we live with it. Yeah, we okay. deal with it. Yeah, give some examples, Ashley. 
Because um, I guarantee you, I have some audience members that are listening to you and I talk and they're still saying, yeah, okay, whatever. Maybe yeah. you guys dealt with it. That hasn't happened to me. Give me, give some examples. Um, it's all the tropes. So um, one common one that I just personally don't just dis- hate is you're aggressive. So because I was direct with you or I had a straightforward conversation with you, or maybe I'm even angry, right? Like something has occurred and now mm-hmm. I'm angry and then you want to call me an angry black woman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or the example, so on the cover of Stigmatized, there's a nurse that's wearing a cape. Well, for all of 2020 into 2021, we've been seen as superheroes. Well, guess what? This time, she ain't no superhero today. (laughs) 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 But it doesn't matter matter how tired I am. But if you come to me assuming that I'm a superhero, you're going to expect me to act in my superpowers. Oh, my gosh, I have a cut or a bruise here. Can you put a Band-Aid on it today? And it's like, but no, you know, I'm I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling upset. I I have pain. I have my own aches. You know, I have these things that don't allow me to show up as the hero that you think you think I am. And that's all stigma. Um, the other biggest one that's common in my industry and in cannabis is that we can't do X, Y, and Z because of the stigma, right? Like mm. people think one thing about the plant that's untrue because of what we have been taught. And so, you know, what, what do we do about that? It requires education. It requires yeah. education to know what it's like to be in the position on the, in this, the, this context. Um, our construct as a black woman is it's for me to educate you to inform you of my perspective yeah even with that is we have to bear the burden of responsibility of representing all the people who into that identity yes absolutely oh my god ashley that is so so true through that need or purpose of educating then it becomes you, Ashley, me, Linda, now we represent every single Black person in the world. Mm-hmm. As mm-hmm. if we all have the same life experiences. Yeah. If we all grew up in the same household. If we all had the same... I mean, we don't. Yeah, we don't. Not we at all. We don't. Not, Not at all. Yeah. But the existence of the stigma perpetuates that. Exactly. And so if we're able to break down some of those walls and find the actual ways that we are connected, right? Instead Mm. of finding all the ways that we're different, it would allow us to be more human in the way that we interact with each other and have more empathy towards each other. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I'm going to tell you, vulnerability, these are words that you rarely, if ever, hear at least in my world in corporate America, right? And trying to climb that vulnerability, empathy, compassionate, servant-based leader. Mm -hmm. You know, that comes all with its own stigma, right? Because if you walk as a vulnerable leader, if you are empathetic, if you are passionate, somehow you're seen as weak. Somehow you're seen as not a a decisive person. You can't be a strategic thinker. Oh, we can't put you in a critical uh, situation and you'd be able to maneuver through that. You have zero executive presence of which you can handle chaos and do it with grace because you happen to be vulnerable or empathetic, which is a, it's a bunch of BS. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There's been too much. It's been too much focus on, um, uh, masculine dominant energies, you know, about that yes. spirit It's like, but we don't take into account that empathy is a, is, is a strength. 
it right? is to be absolutely able to understand what your comp- your competitor is interested in what they value to understand how they operate to understand the struggles that they're dealing with so you can better serve them as a client or a competitor or to even be strategic about how you approach it all comes from empathy yes absolutely ashley and i'm going to tell you i don't i can't remember a conversation that i've had with anyone that's made that connection yeah. that's extremely powerful Because to your point, we've all heard, been kind of brought up in the environment, these masculine, you're domineering. I remember I had somebody tell me, you know, you go and take power. Well, really? I mean, do I just, I mean, so I just knock everybody, I just go take it. I mean, it's just, you know what I mean? You're about to to have me go down a whole different rabbit hole in that comment. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, what? And the person that said it to me clearly doesn't look like me, right? And I had to educate him and say, you can do that, but let me even try to step my toe in taking something. I'm immediately identified, categorized as, and I gave him the wonderful list of tropes. I get the whole list, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, exactly, exactly. I mean, the the conquering spirit is the foundation of uh, American culture. So, oh, it is. This person, <laughs> this person wasn't American though, but still, it, it's similar. The conquering spirit, you're absolutely right. Oh my gosh, we could go down. You're right. We're not going to go down because that's a whole other conversation that we can go down to. But it says a lot, right? It has that that foundation, those undertones of why we are where we are today in the U.S. as a society. Absolutely. Uh, we get it as Black and brown people. So, oh my gosh, this is all wonderful stuff. So th- this is why you coming back in the fall, Kristen, because we're going to dive into the stigmatism more. Look, those of you who missed part one, you might be missing part two, Kitchen on a Replay. Ashley, I told her already, I'm going to reach out to her again this fall <laughs> because there's just so much wisdom and gems here that, that I just think are so important as we as black and brown women navigate our world in the workplace. So, so Ashley, so now we've, we've given everyone the picture, right? We've got the context. We talked about the microaggressions, the, the burnout, the stigmatism. And what I want to do, because time always flies when we're having these wonderful co- conversations, as we go into the last 10 minutes of this segment, what would be the how to deal with that? How do I, as a black and brown woman, build resiliency? I know some women are probably thinking, I am really so tired of that word, Linda. Why do I have to be resilient? Uh, and I would say, and I would love Ashley to offer her comment, um, because you do. I mean, it, it, this is it, it's not a time for us to just and, and I don't want to say this in any disrespect. It's not a time for us to just sit back and say, I'm tired. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm tired, too. I'm doing this a long time. But we need to continue to drive for change. But it's not going to happen overnight. And then because the, we clearly have we're in 2023 and it hasn't completely changed. Yeah. But in the midst of it, do we then just check out and take ourselves off the game? No, because we deserve to be here. And if not deserving and worth of, of our presence requires resiliency yeah. so that we can, but, but in a healthy manner, move forward. So go ahead, Ashley, I would love to hear from you on yeah. that topic. itself. Yeah. Um, so resilience is necessary to allow, it's, it's a muscle, 
right? And that muscle, the ability to be resilient allows you to bounce back in really difficult mm. situations. And we all go through them. It's just a matter of how long it takes for us to recover. Yeah. Um, oh, right. Yeah. And so the yeah. resilience is how quickly can I recover from this damage or to this wound that has occurred through the difficult situation, whether it's through trauma, through a loss, through, um, you know, the birthing process, whatever it may be. And so um, in order for our lives to feel, you know, like there are ups and downs, there are bad times and there are good times. In order for you to get to the good times, you have to go through the bad times. Mm, Yes, yes. But if you're stalled or if you're lagged in in bad time land, like it it leaves less time for you to spend in the good time. And so therefore your life will appear to be predominantly or majority majority bad, you know, because when we look at the lifespan, we we look at it from the lens of what happened most often and most consistently. Right. And so, um, you know, it's it's really a, a life perspective that for the reason for resilience is through life perspective, not just uh, I like that. And so, like that. Um, yeah. And, and, and for a lot of reasons, cause I work with people in my tribe, you know, to build that resilience. And the first step in that is finding healing, the, the, the situations that they're dealing with, whether it's through burnout in their current state, or if they're dealing with a loss in their own families, or if they're dealing with, I, I mean, and these, these are real things that come up in real yes. time. Where they're trying to achieve certain things, but life just gets in the way and they yes. just need a soft place to land so they can build up that muscle in real time. And so the first step to be able to do that is to one, acknowledge the identities and and identify what are the expectations in each of your identities, because some of them overlap. Some mm. of them, some of them make people upset. Right. And yeah. so. If you are aware of all the things that you're responsible for achieving, maybe one, you can delegate. Maybe two, you can integrate, right? Oh, wow. Right? And so then you're intentional about how you're spending your time on a day-to-day basis to create space to build that resilience, whether it's through meditation, whether it's just taking a second to breathe, whether it's just taking a sip of water in a day, right? Because now you're not so focused on the next activity. I don't know if you've heard this, but like a lot of people say anxiety is the, um, is the pre preoccupation with the future and depression is a preoccupation with the past. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so the reason why a lot Makes of us are so preoccupied with the future is that we have not itemized our task list. Okay. See, all right. So. <laughs> Everything you just said. Okay. So for the audience, look, I lost my mother on May 22nd, but later to rest over Memorial Holiday. And I was sharing with Ashley before we came on, because she asked me how I was doing, is that I I realized I was just doing, being busy to what you just said, the point you just made earlier, right? Because life does happen. Life does happen. Have I itemized? See, now you're, you, that's okay. So whether anybody else is, you talking to me, I am, I am hearing every aspect of this. Itemize my task list. Have, have I truly done that? What are my priorities? Have I taken a moment to take a sip of water or I just, do I just take water because I say, okay, I'm eating something. I need something to drink. Or am I really pausing 
to your point, right? Taking a moment to just disconnect. And to just hydrate. And just hydrate. Yes. We don't do enough of, we don't do enough of that. And that is building the resiliency that we need because it is a, it is a life need. It is not a temporary situation, everyone, to get us from point A to point B. Resiliency is necessary for life. Yeah. And you build that through the hydration. You build that through meditating, which my husband has, through his experiences over the past year or so with brain brain surgeries and stuff, he has really been diligent. I notice sometimes he'll just be sitting. He'll just sit, close his eyes and breathe. Yeah. And he's just taking five to 10 minutes to do that. Just breathe. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So Ashley, as, as we start to wrap this session, um, I mean, I'm just, I mean, all of this is, I'm just kind of really processing as we, as we start to wrap this session on killing burnout and building resiliency, I'm going to let you take us out um, with any, you know, final comments or words you want to share with the audience that, you know, they really, that you would impress upon them to really consider um, as they do processing and, and maybe even take action. Like I know your girl's going to do. I'm talking about me, y'all. I'm definitely going to do after this. Go ahead. <laughs> um, Go ahead, Ashley. You know, here's the thing. Um, I feel like giving ourselves grace, um, mm-hmm. having emotional intelligence, um, recognizing, you know, one of the other things that comes up with a lot of the women that I deal with um, within our tribe is being able to recognize when something like an emotion has occurred because of an event, right? And because sometimes we're so numb, we haven't taken our inventory, we're not hydrating properly. So we're thirsty, we hungry, we tired, we're anxious, right? And we're going through all these things. So we're not able to be present. And so the next thing that comes up is the emotional response. And so, you know, going back to your point earlier about your personal life and your professional life, you said it as if it's a separate thing when the same person who shows up in our personal life, you know, and I, I don't think that's what you meant, but I just no, want to make sure that they are, they are the same. Your yeah. personal life is your, who you are personally is yes. who you are professionally. Absolutely. Yes. But sometimes we'll put on a mask for professional and then we'll, we'll let all things loose in our personal because we take them for granted. We take our families for granted, yeah. Yeah. you know? And so having the emotional intelligence to show up consistently is something else that a lot of people deal with, um, you know, in personal and professional. And part of the issue, especially with being black or brown is if you show up too black, then you definitely might get labeled, right? And so, <laughs> so true. Oh my god! Yes, so, you yes. Know, being able to show up as authentically as you possibly can, based on your circumstances, is one of the things that can be very helpful. And recognizing when your emotions respond and as as a response trigger, as opposed to you um, using them as a guide, and so. One of the things that our emotions have been intended to do, you know, the reason why they're here is that they're supposed to help us drive. 
And so, you know, is this a bad situation? Is this a sad situation? Is this a happy situation? Right. And then if somebody elicits guilt, anger or fear, what are the reasons for it? Because a lot of time that's triggered within um, our foundational self or our inner child, you know, so those moments arise or collective consciousness. And I can go down another rabbit hole on that one, too. But um, being able to recognize when those emotions arise, where is its source and be able to settle the the, um, emotional healing that needs to occur through that. And so, um, you know, at the end of the day, for me, stigmatized was birthed from me. Um, You know, it it really does go through a lot of things that I had to learn for myself. Mm -hmm. I, too, was burnt out. I, too, have suffered from depression. I have been lost. I have been a victim. I have done all the things. Right. I have done things that people will sit in and lay in forever. And so, you know. And when I realized that it's actually quite, quote unquote, noble to get through it rather quickly, that's when I discovered what the resilience is. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's something that I actually I, I do that well. I do that well. And so wow. able to find the framework to help other people work through it in their own time has really become where the mission lies. So even though I identify as a cannabis nurse, yeah, my niche is cannabis. Really, my thing is helping people get aligned with where they're supposed to go and help facilitate that process. Oh, man, that's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful, Ashley. And this is why when I got introduced to you, I just thought it was so critically important that my audience meet you and get to know you as well. Um, Because this, this part of ourselves cannot continually be ignored. Because as I often say, who you are personally, as I said a second ago, is who you are professionally. And so we cannot ignore our personal selves. We just cannot lay that aside and to and the, put the mask on, as you say, when we walk into our professional environment. We just cannot. Uh, and, and, and expect to be successful. And as my definition of success is when you can be content, experiencing joy in what you're doing in your full selves. Not, I mean, I get that we go to work for a paycheck, but I, I do not live to work. I don't live to work, right? And so, yes, the, the salary, the benefits help my family have, do what we need to do, live where we live, but I work to get to that. And I want to be able to fully experience life in every aspect of it. So that's why I was so, I'm so honored actually to have you as a guest for the month of June. I'm definitely going to be reaching out in the fall because I want to go down those other rabbit holes. I think it's so important for black and brown women to completely have the tools and methodologies and the resources they need to walk with their complete journey in their lives and to do it in the most healthy way possible. Um, so thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. Look, those of you, like I said, if you missed part one, catch it on the replay, YouTube, Facebook, it's out there. Do not miss it. Go get that. Take your notes. Come back and watch this. And then while you're doing all that, go online, go out there, Amazon, wherever this book, you can find it different places. Go buy it. I I, had to, I hate when this I'm in this camera trying to get it to, to show up. <laughs> but you want to get you want to get this book. I started reading it. I told her I stopped at part three because it was the title was death, and I was just wasn't quite ready to get there. But now I know what it's about, and um, that in itself 
took me at another place. So, so see, I'm giving you just little tidbits. That's why you want to buy it yourself. Then you'll know what I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Ashley, Ashley, again, thank you so much. It is, I don't know that I have words to express um, my depth of gratitude for your willingness to share your knowledge, your wisdom, uh, being vulnerable and really opening up yourself uh, to my audience here on Being Brown at Work Live. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. Take care, everyone. Till next time. If you found this podcast empowering and are ready to master the skill that can take you anywhere, get my free guide, Workplace Confidence, in the resources section of this episode.